Good morning and welcome to Brighton Road. I'm John Fisher, I'll be leading part of this uh, service and then later on our minister Tim Carter uh, will be preaching to us. So this is our online service and uh, wherever you are um, and whatever time you're listening to this, um, why don't we join together in God's presence and worship him. Let's start by singing, And Can It Be?
Isaiah chapter 61 The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendour. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion and instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance and so they will inherit a double portion in their land and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the Sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. So have you noticed that the weather is getting a little colder now? And um, how have you reacted to that? Uh, you might find that when you go out, um, you need to get your coat on. Um, I've had to stop wearing shorts, which is terrible, um, because it really is getting a bit colder and a bit wetter. And this is part of what we're considering today, wearing the right clothes for the situation. Um, as Tim speaks to us from the parable of the wedding feast later on, I'm sure he will mention how the guests at the wedding feast needed to be wearing the right clothes in order to be welcome. And uh, looking into this passage um, and uh, has got me uh, kind of excited about what God says about putting on uh, the, various, the various garments which he's given to us. Um, so in the parable of the wedding feast, they wear the right clothes for the feast. Um, but God also says that we can put on joy. Uh, Psalm 30 talks about our mourning being turned into dancing and being clothed in praises. And other versions say uh, clothed in joy. And uh, what I realised about this was um, it's not um, 
when we put on our coat is because we've noticed it's cold outside um, and the thing that I thought about when I looked into this was if we are feeling that we're not joyful or we're not in a place where we wish to praise that's because we've noticed that we need to put on the garments of praise and put on those that clothing of joy and um, that's why God has provided it for us so that it can be put on at the right time and not only that I got very excited um, in my study of things that can be put on I found that we can also put on salvation it talks about putting on salvation and if you uh, if you feel uh, that you're requiring to be saved from something don't you put on a life jacket that would make sense in fact it's even better to put on the life jacket before you've fallen out the boat um, so we can put on salvation, put on uh, the salvation that Jesus provides for us, like putting on a coat. And another thing that Jesus says to us, that the word of God says, is that we can be robed in righteousness or clothed in righteousness, depending which version you're looking at. And therefore we can put on the righteousness of Christ. And it's that righteousness that allows us to come into God's presence. So I don't know if you're like me because I've found these online services a little bit difficult because I'm a worshipper and I love to worship corporately. Um, I love to be with God's people and I love to sing very loud, as you probably know. Um, and I just, I just love to be with people and worship God. And I found it quite difficult uh, with the online services. So why don't you join me um, and if for some, throw off some of the constraints perhaps. Um, maybe stand up in your lounge or, or wherever you're listening to this. Maybe sing out. Um, if you don't do that because I kind of got out of the habit of singing out and let's worship God together let's um, let's give him praise together and I hope um, the way we've recorded the uh, the music this week um, here um, at Brighton Road with uh, with us uh, me and the other musicians um, uh, singing will will kind of pull us together and give us a bit more of the of the feeling um, of worshiping together but this is also true. We can put on praise. We can put on joy. And, uh, and we can be together in God's presence, even though we are not geographically together. So let's praise God together. So let's worship God together. Let's sing King of Kings, Majesty.
Lord God, as we worship you this morning, we choose to put on the clothes that you've provided for us. We put on salvation. We put on praise. We put on joy. And we put on your righteousness. And wherever we are and whatever was going on in our lives, we choose to do this because you have provided for us in such an awesome way. And we worship you. Amen. Let's sing together Cornerstone.
Lord God, we love to be in your presence. We love to know the closeness of you. Here we are (laughs) with access to the holiest place of all because we're clothed in your righteousness because of what you've done, Jesus. We thank you, we praise you, and we worship you, Jesus. Let's sing, Jesus Christ, our living hope.
has no claim on me. Matthew 22, verses 1 to 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready. But those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot, and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. We start our prayers of intercession today with a prayer for the coronavirus situation. Merciful God, we pray for the many people who have contracted the coronavirus 
in all parts of the world. Bring comfort to those grieving, loved ones who have died, and peace to those worried, fearful and uncertain as the virus spreads. We also pray for governments and authorities who are developing strategies to contain and deal with the virus, and those in the health services who are putting their own lives at risk to care for sick patients. Help us all, Lord, to be responsible in the things that we do in our lives to prevent the spread of the virus by taking heed of the recommending precautions and avoiding situations which may make things worse. Father God, we thank you for the joy of human love and for all those among whom we live and work. We pray particularly for loved ones who worry us with their health or circumstances or life direction. We bring to you now, in particular, Martin Brown and all the family as they deal with the prognosis on his health situation. We pray for you to lay your hand on him, Wendy and their family, as he starts treatment in preparation for an operation. Be with them now, we pray. We pray for peace, comfort and courage for Dennis, Ruth and Rosemary Breed, as they know your love and as you take Mary into your hands. As we pray for those among our friends and families who do not know you or whose faith has been shaken, stay with them, Lord, as they find or regain their, your strength in their hearts. Gracious God, friend of those in need, your Son Jesus can free us from our burdens and heal our bodies and spirits. We pray for those still burdened, those still seeking healing, those in need within the church and the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful God, we pray for all people and help us to know Christ and the power of his word. As we prepare to hear Tim speak on the parable of the wedding feast, we remember and pray for all the couples whose wedding plans have had to be changed, postponed, or even cancelled this year, including Craig and his fiancée Natasha, who are getting married next month. We pray that a new, normal life will be returned to us and they will get the opportunity to celebrate their lives together with their friends and families with postponed parties. In the meantime, please give them patience and support, knowing that you will be with them however life continues. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Faithful God, as we move into the coming week to live and work, help us to travel onwards with our eyes on the goal, to that place where you are beckoning us. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
morning of her cousin's wedding, Jessica's mum got in touch to say, sorry, I can't come and babysit for you. Now, since the wedding invitation made it pretty clear that children weren't invited, Jessica and her husband decided they simply weren't able to attend. A few weeks later, they got a typed note from the bride and groom requesting an explanation for their no-show and an invoice for $75, the cost of the wedding breakfast that had been prepared for them and which they hadn't been there to eat. Not exactly a recipe for harmonious family relations. But then this incident fades into insignificance when you compare it with the bad blood between the king and the guests he invited to his son's wedding in Jesus' parable. Not only do these guests fail to attend, they humiliate and kill those who deliver the king's invitation to them. And in response, the king sends his army to destroy them and burn their city to the ground. Which really begs the question as to why on earth he invited these guests to his son's wedding in the first place. And in their case, it wasn't childcare problems that stopped them attending. Instead, when the invitation came, they simply carried on working in the field or in the office and ignored it completely. Given that the king had prepared a lavish meal, killing and cooking oxen and fatted calves, you can see why he was more than a little bit upset. And we need to appreciate this wasn't a shotgun wedding arranged at the last minute. The way things worked in that culture was all of the guests would have received a prior invitation well in advance of the wedding date to let them know when it was going to be. Then on the day itself, a reminder was sent to say, today's the big day, see you later. And it's this second invitation that we read about in the parable. And that's why the king says the meal is already prepared and why he's so upset when they all just blank the invitation, having RSVP to say they would be there. They said they would come, but they failed to show. Now that's not the kind of thing you do to a king, especially one as violent and capricious as this one is. I think it's a mistake to suppose the way the king behaves in this story gives us an accurate picture of what God is like. I don't see a like-for-like -like correlation here. I think Jesus is using the standard rabbinic teaching technique of comparing the lesser to the greater and using vivid hyperbolic imagery as he does so. Look at what happens, he says, when people treat a king badly, when you duck out of a commitment you've made to attend a royal banquet. No one in their right mind would suppose you could treat a king like that and for there not to be any repercussions. But if that's true of a royal summons, how much more is it true of God's call to you? So if you make a commitment to God, make sure you take it seriously. That's the message of Ecclesiastes 5. Don't talk before you think or make promises to God without thinking them through. God's in heaven. You are on earth. So don't talk too much. If you keep thinking about something, you'll dream about it. And if you talk too much, you will say the wrong thing. God doesn't like fools. So don't be slow to keep your promises to God. It's better not to make a promise at all than make one and not keep it. Don't let your mouth get you into trouble. And don't say to the worship leader, oh, I didn't mean what I said. God can destroy everything you've worked for. So don't say something that makes God angry. So much then for the first part of the parable. But then Jesus adds an appendix. 
Because having sent his soldiers to kill everyone on the original guest list, the king then sends his servants out to get anyone and everyone to come to his son's wedding, and soon the banqueting hall is filled with all kinds of people, and one of them hasn't bothered to go home and get changed first. He's just come, dressed as he is, straight off the street, in his working clothes. And that, clearly, was not the done thing. So there's this really awkward moment when the king accosts him and the guest is lost for words. So the king commands that he should be bound hand and foot and thrown outside into the darkness of the night where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And before you've quite had the time to come to terms with this unexpected turn of events, Jesus adds, many are called, but few are chosen. A deeply unsettling saying, which I suspect doesn't really help to set our minds at rest at all. Now, we see from the parable that the poor man got thrown out because he wasn't wearing a wedding garment, and many people have speculated what that wedding garment represents. What is it we are going to need if we are going to be made welcome at the table of the king? And over the centuries there's been no lack of suggestions. The sanctity of the flesh, the Holy Spirit, love, godly virtues, pure thoughts, Christ himself as the only one who can make us acceptable to God, sanctification, the internal illumination of the Spirit that God only gives to his elect. I wonder though whether Jesus' words, many are called but few are chosen, might not be the key to understanding what the wedding garment represents. Clearly at the end of the day, being called and chosen is going to be pretty important. And I was intrigued to discover that the only other time in the whole Bible where you read of people being called and chosen is Revelation 17.14, where it talks about Jesus as the victorious Lamb of God, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and who is accompanied by those who are called and chosen and faithful. That verse suggests to me that if we have been called and chosen, then we're going to be faithful as well. And if so, then maybe it's faithfulness that's represented by that vital wedding garment worn by all those who are called and chosen. God calls us in faithfulness, and when we respond in faithfulness to his call, that's a sign that he's chosen us. We bump up here against the paradox of divine sovereignty and human responsibility, both being two sides of the same coin. We have a responsibility to keep the faith to the end. And that makes sense. We understand that however well you start a race, it's making it to the finishing line successfully that counts. And where do we get our staying power from? Well, that comes from God himself. God has chosen you. And because he's chosen you, you can and you will make it to the end. Your faithfulness to him is built on the solid foundation of his faithfulness to you. So to my mind, it's Edvard Schweitzer who gives us the right interpretation of what Jesus meant when he said, many are called, but few are chosen. Called means taking up the initial invitation. Chosen means persevering to the end. So don't give up. Lots of other people around you might, but you, you maintain your faithfulness to God. Keep saying yes to God 
every single day, particularly on those days when you just feel like packing it in and ignoring God and just going about your business. Remember, God has chosen you. You are called to be faithful. And because God has chosen you, he will enable you to be faithful. Your part is to renew your commitment to say yes to God every single day. And as you do that, the God who has called you and the God who has chosen you will see that you make it across the finishing line and will welcome you home with the words, well done, good and faithful servant. As we go into this week to whatever it may bring, may we do so in the certain knowledge of the love of God the Father 
our creator and provider. The grace of our Lord Jesus, our saviour and advocate, and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our comforter and enabler. Amen.
Thank you. 